Mike here from the Boozy Bracketology Podcast. If you think Meryl Streep had it hard in Sophie's Choice, just wait until you hear what we've got coming up in April and May. That's right. For the next two months, we're going to be deciding what truly is the greatest Beatles song of all time. We've narrowed it down to 68 classic tunes, and we're going to face them off NCAA bracket style until we settle this debate once and for all. Here at Boozy Bracketology, we believe in strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions, and we won't stop until we have a winner. So if you love the Beatles, and let's be honest, who doesn't, tune in next month. You can find Boozy Bracketology anywhere you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Boozy Bracketology, where we're the home of strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. My name is Jeff, and I'm going to be your host tonight as we dive right back into our best Robin Williams performance bracket. Back with us tonight, we've got our lovely group to help us make these tough decisions. So let's just dive in and find out how they're doing and what they're drinking tonight. Getting us kicked off is Leah. Leah, how are you doing and what's in your cup tonight? Well, it's been a rough day, so I really should be drinking, um, but I'm not. Um, I'm just I'm just hanging out right now. I might go and get something to drink in a little bit, but uh, right now I am completely uh, devoid of any kind of beverage. Well, I would imagine if you have a rough day, you are well within your right to have earned a drink, knowing what you do. Um <laughs> Um, up next with us is Chris. Chris, how are you doing and what's in your glass? It's not as fulfilling with a, a beer a beer pop as it is with a can. I just want it's to say really that not. was real sad. That was a really sad. This is a, I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. I am allowed <laughs> to drink again, so yay. Uh, and to celebrate being able to drink again, I pulled out my my beer that I've had in the fridge since december so this may or may not be good i had one cra- i cracked a beer earlier today that was not good i don't i'm kind of 50 50 on whether or not it's because it's been sitting in my fridge for so long or because it was just not a good beer but this is from the bell bells brewery in comstock michigan it is the kalamazoo stout it is still cold enough in florida to have my stouts it is stout season still for me it'll be stout season in july i don't care i love my stouts but uh Let's take a let's take a gander here. No, that other beer was just bad. This is delicious. <laughs> so one of the things I talked about this in the pub trivia experience that Mike and I recorded last night, but I grabbed uh, I bought my older brother something for Christmas years and years and years ago when I was helping out my dad. I, I was clearing out one of his rooms and I found the thing that I bought my brother for Christmas never used. And it is, and I can't, I don't even see it right now. It should be around here somewhere. But it is a map of the continental U.S. with 72 holes in it for beer caps. And so my goal is to drink a beer from each state and put a cap in there. And then I don't know what the other the other ones will be. But, uh, yeah, this is my second one. My first one was from California. This one's from Michigan. I'm going to go ahead and put that right in the, uh, in the UP. Good luck with Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah, can we confirm that there's actually beer from all the states? If you lived in Wyoming, <laughs> wouldn't you need beer? I mean, Touché. I don't know. You got kind of a great view there you could ride off of. 
Uh, they're right near Colorado. They'll probably get high instead. Mm, who could blame them? Well, that is uh, that is good. I I believe I've also had some stuff from Bell's, and uh, it has always been good. Uh, very good. Uh, also back with us tonight is Stephen. Stephen, how are you doing, and what's in your glass? I'm doing pretty well. I'm actually filming from a remote location today, so I don't have my usual supply. I've been reduced down to a Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. The soda that is so shitty that every three years they have to change what the formula is and tell us it's the best Coke ever. So I'm going to get through this. I'm a trooper. I believe in the system. Pray for me. All right. We will do just that with what I believe is probably one of the most popular sodas in the world, but not good enough. It's still disgusting. Oh, I love Coke Zero. The Transformers films are also popular. Are they, though? All right. Rounding yeah. us out today Sadly is... enough, yes. Yeah, I, I believe it. I, I haven't seen one in ages, so I guess there's there's no hope. Uh, rounding out our crew today is Mike. Mike, how are you doing? And what's in your glass? Uh, Jeff, I'm doing great. Uh, I've got myself a lovely beer from the Straight to Ale brewery right here out of huntsville i believe i've had their pale bunny pale ale before on the podcast well this is the double bunny double pale ale it's got, it's got a picture of a green rabbit with two heads on it ripping off some sort of building like like it's godzilla and stomping through flames it's pretty badass let's see how it is though much better with a can than a beer. Sorry, Chris. Ooh. Ooh, that's really good. The hops are much subtler than I was expecting. It's really, really good. I like that a lot. Yep. Uh, 8% alcohol by volume, so enough to get me warm and toasty, but not knock me flat on my ass. So that's good. Wow, very nice. And uh, I have... What I would consider committed a cardinal boozy bracketology sin, and I have opened my beer pre-recording. Oh no! So it, it therefore, happens. therefore, I have nothing fun to pop open. Almost as sad as Curse's attempt, but I do have the uh, Gaiabera Citra Pale Ale from Cigar City, and boy, I would love to be by a pool or somewhere hot drinking this because it is delicious. But uh, it's also an ice box in my house right now, so I'm a little jealous of the uh, stouts over there. Hmm. So real but, quick, real quick I, I, again, I brought this up yesterday, but this is the bottle opener I used. I love this bottle opener. This is a bottle opener with a picture on the front of it of Pope Benedict holding up and blessing what? the beer you're about to drink. That is amazing. I have a holy beer, guys. <laughs> oh boy. Well, that rounds out our crew. Let's uh let's just dive into it. Um one matter of note is as you notice, we only have the four people with us today. Therefore, if it does come down to a tie, I will do my best to remain impartial and vote for whichever movie I've definitely seen before. <laughs> 
there, there might be some more ties in this uh, this round than there were last time. So we're gonna I, have to I, see. I would not be surprised. However, there's also a much better chance that I've seen some of these movies. So also true. All right. Well, let's dive into it. We're getting kicked off today with our first matchup. That's going to be our one seed of Goodwill Hunting versus the three seed of Night at the Museum. Leah, you're up first. Wow, Night at the Museum was a three seed. Um, not that you know I was the one who did the seeding or anything, um, <laughs> but I was just kind of shocked by that. Okay, so um, you know both of these roles, he plays supporting characters. Uh, you know I have a lot of love for his portrayal of Teddy R, um, but it's definitely Goodwill Hunting for me. Um, he's so good with how he pulls back on every line and really makes each line more meaningful than the next. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really no contest. Um, so it's going to be Goodwill Hunting for me. All right. Goodwill Hunting gets us kicked off with the first vote. Chris. Yeah, I said everything I needed to say last episode about his performance as uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Good performance. Robin Williams always usually always turns in some sort of, at least if not a good, at least an interesting performance. But only one of these movies won him an Oscar, and it's not close. He's, he's this, this layered and vulnerable and still with a little bit of anger from what happened to his wife simmering at, uh, just under the surface. The Robin Williams pulled off in Goodwill Hunting is amazing. Um, the, the, the stuff with, with Matt Damon is great, but the, the stuff back and forth with the, the, the years of misplaced anger with, uh, Stellan Skarsgård makes that movie that much better. Every performance in that movie is phenomenal, but Robin Williams is the cream of the crop there. It's Goodwill Hunting. All right. Goodwill Hunting picks up its second vote. Steven. Yeah. You gotta feel bad for Night at the Museum here. Uh, it's a great Teddy Roosevelt impression. Um, I remember hearing once that when Teddy Roosevelt bought his ranch out west, the first time he led the cowboys that worked for his ranch on a cattle drive, his first command was, hasten forth quickly now. That's the kind of guy he was. So that's perfectly encapsulated by that performance, but you're up against Goodwill Hunting. You know, let's, 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 let's be honest about that. That's a role that, for the first third of the movie, Robin Williams is carrying that film. The, the Matt Damon character is not that interesting until he starts to break down into therapy and we get to explore him deeper, but he's just a surface-level douchebag until then that's very good at math. So, really, Robin Williams is critical to keeping you in that film at the beginning. It's a, it's a great performance. It gets my vote. All right. Goodwill Hunting picks up a third vote. Mike? Yeah, that's a great point made by Steven. Uh, this is a, for sure going to be a sweep. Uh Robin Williams is great as Teddy Roosevelt in Night at the Museum, but it's a small role, and honestly, it's here because it was graced with pretty weak competition in the first round. His performance in Goodwill Hunting won him the Oscar for a reason. I I always think of the, the scene when he talks about how his wife used to fart in, in her sleep, and it's that's perfect because that's so Robin Williams, it's both funny and poignant, and apparently he, he just improvised that, and, and Matt Damon went with it, so when he laughs, it's actually real in the movie now. Good Will Hunting was a well-written movie that was just elevated to another level by that performance in particular, so I definitely think it deserves to move on. Alright, Good Will Hunting will be moving on to our Elite Eight. Our next matchup is the four seed of The World According to Garp versus our two seed of Awakenings. Chris, this is actually kind of a hard one because these are both uh, solid films. Um, 
neither one of them are feel good stories. I don't think anyone's going to argue these are feel good stories. Uh, in one of these, he is very clearly the lead. The other, he is yeah, co lead, I guess, if you want to call it that. But more of more of the the, the supplemental cast. But for me personally, uh, there's the the one movie and the one performance that's going to stick with me a little bit more. Uh, the World According to Garp is a great movie. I have nothing against it. It's a, it's a really good movie. But I really dug the 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 subtleness that he played in Awakenings. I thought that he that that's a point where you have this actor who can be over the top and be genuinely funny and entertaining, and he takes the straight role, um, a straight role in a drama. But he's phenomenal in it. He, he gets overshadowed by Robert De Niro, and that's that's fine. But for me, I loved his performance in Awakenings. I'm going Awakenings here. All right, Awakenings gets us kicked off with the first vote. Steven? Yeah, Awakenings is kind of weird like that, um, in that Robin Williams is, is turning in a great performance, but the star of that is De Niro. Um, that's the one that you go away thinking about. But I think that makes it an even more impressive performance from Robin Williams, because at that point, he's playing such against type. That's really kind of his first major serious role, almost. And I think the fact that he took on that challenge and still has that deep, really, really wonderful role, um, wonderful performance, I should say, that that's really a testament to his ability to act. Um, it also has the advantage of just being a better film. The World According to Garp is maybe a more interesting film. It's trying to do a lot more, but it just doesn't hold together as cohesively anywhere near enough uh, to make it oh, as good an experience as Awakening. So Awakenings gets my vote. All right, Awakenings picks up a second vote. Mike? Yeah, I agree with Chris. This one is tough because these are both uh, really good, well-performed roles. Uh, World According to Garp is great. It's uh, not well i'd say i wouldn't say great it's it's pretty good it's a it's based on a great book that i'm not sure a whole lot of people could have brought to life and robin williams does it does it very well uh and it it, it was an early you know pretty early on in his career more serious role for him he gets to flex his comedic chops more in it than he does in awakening certainly but uh steven hit the nail on the head uh you don't necessarily go away from awakenings thinking about robin williams performance as much but that's because it's so subdued and it is more layered than his performance in world according to garp too so i agree with uh my predecessors and i also vote for awakenings all right awakenings picks up a third vote and leah uh this was not difficult for me i'm definitely going with awakenings uh world according to garp was just too strange of a story for me that i couldn't really um i guess focus in on his specific performance um, and like everyone said, his performance does get overshadowed by Bobby De Niro um, in Awakenings. But still, I think it's the superior performance out of the two. So I'm going with Awakenings. All right. We've got our second movie sweeping its way on to the Elite Eight. Moving on, our third matchup is the number one seed of Aladdin versus our number three seed of Hook. Steven. You gave me the hardest lead out of this round, I think, because the performances in both Hook and Aladdin are incredible. Um, Aladdin, obviously, he has the advantage that it's an animated film. He can literally just go as zany as he wants, and whatever he does, the animators are going to be able to catch up to him. Um, 
that's why I think, kind of, as a role, even though it's not as good as film, I think his portrayal as Peter Pan might actually be the better performance. There's definitely more nuance to it. The genie is just generally zany no matter what's going on. And Peter has to do a little bit of growth. Um, it is still, I agree with what some of us said in the last round, the best representation of Peter Pan. If we were picking films, Aladdin wins hands down, but for a performance, I'm going to give this one to Hook. All right, Hook gets us kicked off with the first vote. Leah. Okay, so the yes, this is kind of tough for me. Um, it's going to go to Aladdin for me. Um, just because the genie is like the standout performance in the film. A friend like me is just really quick and witty. His line delivery is just really what brings the genie to life. He just does a really, really good job. Um, he also does a really good job in Hook, which is essentially just a really silly film. But he embraces it like 100%. Um, totally commits to the role, which is really amazing. Um, but I think if I'm just comparing the two performances... The one that I remember and the one that I think is more critically um, good. I don't know. I can't think of another word right now. But I guess the one that I like, I really do think objectively is the better performance overall, I think, is him as Genie in Aladdin. Even though it is just an animated cartoon, I really feel his presence behind the... The, the role. Um, so I think I'm going to go with Aladdin, but um, I do want to give Hook a little bit of love because I do think he does a really, really good job embracing such a silly role. All right. And for the first time, we split the vote. We're going over to Mike. Yeah. Like Steven said, here's where the rubber really meets the road for me. Uh, this feels more like a Final Four matchup. These two movies were both my childhood. They both came out around the same time. I think Hook was maybe a year before Aladdin, but right in that late elementary school range for me, not to date myself too much. And they're both outstanding performances. Pretty much, I would say, unimpeachable. Uh, Genie comes alive because of Robin Williams. Uh, that character, it would have still existed without his performance, but I, it would not have been, certainly not have been as dynamic and a, as good of a film as Aladdin is, it, it is taken to another level by Robin Williams' performance. And I thought about this matchup a lot, and ultimately, though, I did come to the same conclusion as Steven. Peter Pan, overall, is the better performance, because Genie is Robin Williams just getting up there and doing his improv craziness best and he's fantastic at that obviously but with the role of peter pan he's asked to do a lot more he has to be both serious and goofy and he has to he has to sell you on that transition which is huge because if you don't buy into that then the whole movie falls apart he provides both humor and pathos in that movie uh and for that reason i think it's even though as steven said it's not the better movie but I think it's a better Robin Williams performance, so I'm giving my vote to Hook. All right, Hook picks up a second vote. Chris? I don't know what y'all are talking about. Will Smith is quite obviously my genie. Y'all are crazy. It, it, it's, it's really, it's him or Christina Aguilera. Who, who's going to argue with me on that? 
this is a this is a tough decision. Like this is legitimately a tough decision. You're talking about, you know, pillars of ch- people's childhoods in this regard here. But for me personally, I'm looking at this objectively, and I'm going phenomenal performances across the board. But I, to make this decision, I actually had to go back and think about the Robin Williams performances that I love. There's another movie out here we're going to talk about later, but. Uh, uh, not just that, but a lot of his comedy kind of stems from the the physical aspect of being Robin Williams. He's 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 not a he's not a physical comedian, but a lot of the comedy that he does does have a physical characteristic to it that's not present in Aladdin. But to me, that makes it even more impressive the fact that it comes across as this this kinetic ball of energy, and all you're hearing is his voice. He's doing it just with his voice. Hook, he's doing he's doing more. You're right, he's doing more because he's actually there. But he's bringing he's bringing all of that same energy and all of that into this character where you don't see him, but when you hear it, you can see it in your mind what he's doing. Like I can't imagine him sitting in front of a microphone doing this. I have to think when he's the genie, they have strapped a microphone to his face and he's running around a studio. It's that good of a performance to me. It's layered. It's nuanced, as we've talked about with some of his other performances. The genie. It's got some dark moments. The end of that movie for a kids movie, not not Pixar dark, but it's got some dark moments for a Disney movie. This is the same studio that killed Bambi's mom, killed Bambi's mom, and I don't know, sold Dumbo's mom. I don't even know. But I go back to the fact that there's, I can feel every word coming out of the genie's mouth in Aladdin, and I don't have to see him to believe it. He has a way of making that energy and that that gravitas that only Robin Williams has Robin Williams has shine through without actually being there this actually wasn't as hard for me as I thought it was going to be it's the genie it's Aladdin alright Aladdin picks up it's second vote putting us in a 2-2 tie Jeff if I may real quick I just wanted to interject my genie personally Barbara Eden but <clears throat> I do dream of your genie <laughs> can't argue that and as you well know, uh, around these parts, we do have the thing called the buzzer beater. Um, if anyone would like to use that at this time, the decision, I guess, will come down to me. We didn't think this through. Yeah, this might have been a mistake. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think if there was one matchup for you guys to actually leave up to me, it would be this one, which I actually know the best. Um, and because of that, I actually do have opinions, um, but you guys already shared all of them. I think actually there's a lot to be said about Hook and that performance and how he kind of played both characters of that so well. Um, but I actually find myself agreeing with Chris in this, in the fact that even though you can't see the genie in Aladdin, you still know and feel and experience that performance as Robin Williams and his portrayal of the genie. There will never be anything like that again because it was just so fresh and new and, you know, just incredible. So for this, I'm going to have to go ahead and give it to Aladdin. Did did, did we just agree on something? Uh, yeah, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't, don't push it. Okay. <laughs> up now. I, I, I can't be upset with that. Stephen can, I'm sure. He'll find a way. Yeah. Uh, I am yes. a ball of sunshine and light. A delicate little dandruff. 
There's nothing I have wrong with anything. Everything finds a way. As we move on to our next matchup, we've got the four seed of World's Greatest Dad versus the two seed of the Birdcage. Kicking us off is Mike. Yeah, this is a really interesting matchup. It's a good matchup because in both of these movies, he's playing a father who put in a very difficult position, albeit two incredibly different difficult positions. And they're both really, really good performances. And and that makes this one, I think, a little tough as well. His performance in World's Greatest Dad is kind of it's what you it's what you're there for. Like it's Robin Williams and everybody else in that movie. Whereas in the Birdcage, he's even though he gets the chance to to be to have his zany moments, he's just surrounded by he's got Nathan Lane and Hank Azaria. <laughs> You know, right there, and then he's got Gene Hackman on playing the the super dry humor. On the other hand, I mean, he's got he's got a lot more people around him doing that are doing heavy lifting. And not that the other acting isn't world in World's Greatest Dad isn't also good, but it's Robin Williams's movie. So that does make this one tough. But I think I think for me. And this this I mean, this one is tough, but but. What is truly the better performance? Man, like there's there's part of there's part of me that wants to say world's greatest dad just for that reason. He has to have he has to go through a tremendous uh, he gets run through the gauntlet basically and he has to kind of do this whole thing without making you completely hate him even though some of the th- and you he still maintains that level of sympathy. Oh gosh. This it's a, this is a tough one. I think that I think these are very even performances in a lot of ways. I, but I think ultimately, I just like his performance in Birdcage a little better. It might have partially been because of the directing. Nothing nothing against uh, Bobcat Goldthwait or anything like that. But there were a couple of there were a couple of decisions made in in world's greatest dad that i that didn't ring as true to me and birdcage i just i love the way that he gets to play both a, a father and a, and you know partner to nathan lane and all, all these different kinds of things and he does it all so well and it, may, it might just be biased because i just love that movie so much but I, i'm gonna vote for birdcage here all right the birdcage just gets us kicked off leah so i did love his bird performance in World's Greatest Dad, but to me it just doesn't hold a candle to his performance in The Birdcage. Uh, it's way more memorable. Um, it shows more range, I think, um, of him as an actor. And a lot of people in the LGBTQIA plus community have also praised his performance for being an accurate portrayal and not just like a cartoonish character or archetypical um, as maybe some of the other characters in the film are. Um, so yeah, I got to give him some props for that. So I'm going to go with the birdcage. All right. The birdcage gets a second vote. Chris. Yeah, do I want my Robin Williams to make me laugh uncontrollably or make me cry uncontrollably? It's kind of what this comes down to. I mean, it's, it's a genuinely funny film with a heart of gold versus a, a movie that's literally just, it feels like, it feels like, uh, 
is it tear porn? Is that the, the term we came up with, tear porn? No? I, it's got to be a thing. <laughs> it's got to be a thing. Um, is there a serious question here? Is there a better, better use of situational comedy than the birdcage? It is when it comes to situational comedy, it's what I think of when I think of that. It's these these weird situations you put the characters in and you see how they react. I love it. I love it so damn much. But Leah's right. These are two, and Mike's right, these are two phenomenal performances, but they're on two very different ends of the spectrum, despite the fact that they're both playing fathers doing the best job that they can. But I agree with Leah and Mike. Uh, Robin Williams' performance in The Birdcage, you see him run through every every emotion you could think of. Um, and yeah, Nathan Lane gets a lot of the credit for the funny bits and Hank Azaria not being able to wear shoes is freaking hilarious. But I'm there for Robin Williams. I'm there for that mustache more than anything else. I'm jealous. I can't have that mustache. But I'm there for Robin Williams. That's what that's what gets me in the theater. At that point in time, a little bit for Calista Flockhart, but almost always for Robin Williams. So no, Birdcage. All right, Birdcage picks up a third vote. And Steven. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, I kind of agree with all of the data Mike brought to us, but I completely disagree with his conclusion. Um, you're right. Father's Day is, or uh, World's Greatest Dad, I don't know why I said World's Greatest Dad is Robin Williams entirely. That's what he's there for. And the Birdcage is this big ensemble thing where there's so many other people doing so many great things. But that's what makes it even more impressive as a performance, because Robin Williams still shines through despite all the wonderful things around him. Like, he's still the one that you think of when you think of that movie. It's still a Robin Williams film, not a Gene Hackman film, not even a... Uh, it's, it's a Robin Williams film, because he's the one that shines through. He's the one with the pathos in it, and he pulls it off despite the madness going on around him. So, yeah, Robin Williams' performance in The Birdcage is absolutely my vote. All right, Birdcage does sweep its way on to the next round. Thank you, Stephen, for saying what I was trying to say in a much better way. <laughs> All right. Our next matchup, as we move over to the other side of the bracket, is our number one seed of Dead Poet Society versus our number three seed of Insomnia. Kicking it off is Leah. Yeah, this isn't difficult for me. I'm going Dead Poet Society. His character challenges his students the same way that I think he challenges us um, with the way that he acts. I mean... When you're watching the movie, you feel like one of his students and you feel inspired to go out and do something great and to overcome your fears and to step out of your box. Um, and, you know, part of it's the way that the character was written, but a lot of it is his portrayal of it that's so believable. Um, it makes you want to be a better person after watching it. So um, I am going to go with Dead Poet Society. All right. Dead Poet Society gets us started. Chris. I've said before that you know that Christopher Nolan, uh, at one point in time, knew how to do character work. Uh, it's he's lost that for some somehow over the course of the last couple of movies, but he can actually do character work. And Insomnia has a great, a great use of character. But we talked last time about how he he does how Robin Williams is crazy very well, and there's this controlled rage in his performance here. But the character's one dimensional. It's a very he's. He is not. He is pure evil in incarnate in this movie. He is uh, the Alaskan version of Michael Myers. He's not going out, not not seeing it happen. But that's what he is. But Dead Poet Society is a phenomenal performance. 
Um, that is, he, he becomes the teacher that everyone who is an artistic person in elementary, middle, and high school, he becomes the teacher that you wish you had. He's the teacher that instills faith in you and belief in you and your abilities to go out there and create something beautiful. And that's there, there's a lot of value there. There's a lot of value there. I can't vote against him here. Uh, Dead Post Society gets my vote. All right, Dead Poet Society picking up a second vote. Steven. Well, maybe Chris can't, but I can vote against him here. Uh, look, Dead Poet Society is a really nice, inspirational film, but I feel like it's the script that's doing the heavy lifting there. It's a performance is fine, but I don't think Robin Williams is really stretching himself in any way. I don't think he's doing anything interesting. There are other inspirational teachers' movies, Dead Poets is the best of that genre, but it's still not a shining example that's really, really great above any of the others. Um, Robin Williams is wonderful in it. I'm not saying bad about his performance, but I think he's doing a lot more work and a lot more interesting things playing this weird, creepy, evil psychopath that we've got going on in Insomnia. I think that's the performance that stays with me when I think about performances that's the one that I think, oh, I'm, I'm really creeped out. And, you know, Dead Poets, by the time I leave the theater or I stop watching the DVD or whatever, the inspiration's worn off. But Insomnia, that one stays with me much longer. So I'm going to cast my vote for Insomnia. All right, Insomnia picks up a first vote. Mike? I uh, kind of agree with Stephen. I think that, for me, this is this was a much more difficult decision than it appeared to be at first blush because Robin Williams is just downright chilling in a way that you do not expect in insomnia and his, you know, his performance going up against a lot of other heavyweights in that movie is the performance that I think you come away thinking about. But where I will disagree with Steven is the inspiration stays with me a lot longer with dead poet society. I still yell out yawp sometimes when I'm excited for something that I've accomplished. Uh, I think Robin Williams' performance in that is, I don't know that anybody could have quite, there are a lot of inspirational teacher movies. Uh, Steven is 100% right about that. But I think the reason that that is the best of the genre is because of the style that robin williams brought to that role it's again he still has that manic energy it's in a little bit more of a subdued form but he brings it to that it's that kind of the and the, the passionate interest that he he shows in his students i think he's he's just we we talked about it last episode about how good he is at working with children he kind of i mean these are slightly older children in fact they were all probably adult actors but they were supposed to be children but he still brings that to that role and i think that's what makes it one of the things that makes it just stand out to me a little bit more. It, it was nothing to take away from insomnia. He's very much playing against type. It is an excellent performance, but the one that sticks with me more is dead poet society. So it gets my vote. All right. Dead poet society picking up that crucial third vote. Our next matchup is our five seed of what dreams may come versus our two seed of the Fisher King. Chris, you're up first. Yeah, I, I was the lone vote against What Dreams May Come last time, and it had really didn't have a whole lot to do with the movie itself. It had to do with my love of Patch Adams, and I thought his performance in Patch Adams was phenomenal. Apparently, I was alone in that, that sentiment, and I'm, I'll, I'm fine. I'll die on that hill. 
this one's actually a pretty tough call for me um, because in what dreams may come, there's, he's unquestionably the lead, and in the Fisher King's unquestionably not the lead. Um, but I honestly do believe that his performance in the Fisher King is what's going to stick with me. Um, you know, the, the search for the Holy Grail and the 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 darkness behind why he is the way he is. And it's about a man who's trying to come to terms. It's both of them. Both of them. It's both, both these men trying to come to terms with come to terms with their past, and also how their paths intertwine because of one person's mistakes or not mistakes. You know, take put what you want into that situation because it's oddly topical now. But the Fisher King performance is what's going to stick with me a little bit longer. Uh, what dreams may come. You know what it might be is it might be the ending is a little too little too nice and tidy and neat for me, but uh, the Fisher King is what's going to stick with me. I'm going the Fisher King here. All right, Fisher King picks up the first vote. Steven. Yeah, so I'm I'm trying to be as nice as I can to what dreams may come. I voted for it last time um, just because I thought Patch Adams was with all due respect, kind of a garbage performance. There just wasn't much going on there. Uh, what Dreams Become at least took the big swing, and I, I admire it for that. He, at least he got to the plate, and he swung as hard as he could. He gave it the old college try. But it, it just doesn't work top to bottom. So I, I'm obviously going to vote for the Fisher King here. Um I may have come out in earlier podcasts that I'm a person that kind of likes Arthurian legends, and I do like that movie as a whole, just like, you know, in the Arthurian legend, it's the hunt for the Fisher King, the hunt for the Holy Grail that ultimately undoes Arthur's court. It's a whole Wheel of Fortune thing where, like, you're chasing this ephemeral thing that it's supposed to be your crowning achievement, and it leads to your destruction, and it kind of, you know, they're still, in the Fisher King movie, they're chasing this ephemeral thing that's supposed to complete them, but it's ultimately... A hollow. It's just. It's a really good nuanced reflection on that. I'm not speaking a lot about Robin's performance right now. I realize, so I'm just going to go ahead and shut up and cast my vote for the Fisher King. All right, the Fisher <laughs> King picks up a second vote. Mike, there's not going to be a whole lot of suspense on this one. Uh, both. Th- this is another interesting matchup that's a pairing between uh, performances with a similar uh, underpinning, but very different. Uh, directions in which you take it it's both a man struggling with uh an unspeakable tragedy uh but what and what dreams may come plays it straighter probably because the fisher king is a terry gilliam film uh (laughs) but the fisher king chris chris hit the nail on the head the fisher king is the performance that is going to stay with me more what dreams may come as good as Robin Williams is in it, I feel as though there are a lot of actors that could have done that role similarly well. The Fisher King, it's hard to imagine another person playing that combination of, of the, you know, his, his mania coupled with the in, incredible sadness lurking just underneath. So uh, the Fisher King is also going to get my vote here. All right, the Fisher King picks up a third vote. Leah. Yeah, I get it. I'm going to die on my sword. I actually like What Dreams May Come a lot more. I like his performance in that film a lot more. Um, I understand everything that you guys are saying about the Fisher King. It just doesn't have the same impact on me that it does on you guys. Um, But What Dreams May Come, I know it's not a great movie. 
I know that it's adaption was adaptation, not adoption. Eh, whatever. It could be the same. Whatever. I know it's not, um, it, it's really not great. His performance could have been better, but it's one of those that, like, his performance and the film in general are both going to stick with me a lot longer. Um, it was probably just where I was in my life whenever I saw it. So, um, so I'm still going to vote for What Dreams May Come. All right. What Dreams May Come picks up one vote, but the Fisher King will be moving on. Our next matchup is the number one seed of Mrs. Doubtfire versus the sixth seed of Death to Smoochie. Up first is Steven. Yeah, Death to Smoochie is utter garbage. This is the death to Death to Smoochie. Let's go ahead and just vote against that. Whatever else up is against it can move my vote. All right, Mrs. Doubtfire picks up a vote. Mike. Even more so than Night at the Museum, the only reason Death to Smoochie made it past the first round was because of weak competition, because Robin Williams was only in Deconstructing Harry for all of five minutes, if even that. Uh, he's I'm not trying to diss his performance in Death to Smoochie. He's Robin Williams, so he still brings the goods, but it's far it's a far inferior movie and Mrs. Doubtfire. I I I'm sure there is somebody out there for whom Robin Williams' performance in Death to Smoochie looms larger than Robin Williams' performance in Mrs. Doubtfire. I would really love to meet that person <laughs> and pick their brain. But uh, So if you're out there and uh, it, among our listenership, please come, come on to our various social media platforms and tell me about it. I'm really intrigued to hear that opinion. Meanwhile, I'm going to be casting my vote for Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire picks up a second vote. Leah. Yeah, I think if this was a family feud game and it was the final round on that show and it was like, name a Robin Williams movie that like easily 60 people out of 100 would probably say Mrs. Doubtfire. I think maybe one or two would say Death to Smoochie. Um, It's just not what you think about. Mrs. Doubtfire is one of the first movies that people think about when they think about Robin Williams. Um, it's because it's great. I mean, the physical uh, kind of transformation that he has to go through in the movie and, and carry with him with the voice changing and the demeanor changing and things like that when he is Mrs. Doubtfire um, is one thing. But also, it's just very quick dialogue throughout the whole film. Um, he's kind of just like, I don't know. It's, it's how I picture Robin Williams to kind of be in real life, too. Just having conversations with people and just being able to think quickly on his feet and come up with really funny reactions to things. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm definitely going to vote for Mrs. Doubtfire on this one. With what I would think is a, probably 60% of the Family Feud polling audience. And Mrs. Doubtfire picks up another vote. Chris. Hi, Mike. I'm Chris. Nice to meet you. Now. No. <laughs> I'm a death to smoochie apologist I guess because I didn't hate that movie I, I, there's an innocence to Edward Norton I think is utterly charming there's a menacingness to Robin Williams that I find absolutely hysterical and fun to watch it's an interesting movie it's not a great movie but it's an interesting movie it really is and you know what Mike screw you I can't do it no it's freaking Mrs. Doubtfire I was sitting here going, there's no possible way. <laughs> Come on. It's a run by fruiting. It's a phenomenal performance. Uh, I'm going to have more to say about Mrs. Doubtfire later because I love that performance. I think it's great. Mrs. Doubtfire, give it the sweep, move it along. Here I was thinking his love for Death to Smoochie was about to explain a lot of things, but 
All right, Mr. Doubtfire will be sweeping his way on to the next round as we come to our final matchup today. We have the four seed of One Hour Photo versus the two seed of Good Morning Vietnam. Mike, get us started. He is great in One Hour Photo. He brings this kind of calm yet menacing and ultimately utterly terrifying uh, air to his character it's another one of those playing against type and i think that's part of what makes it work really well but you don't you don't have good morning vietnam if you don't have ron williams i it's it's incredibly hard to see anyone else in that role it's that we we've said this so many times uh, and i'm sure we'll say we'll say it again as we continue uh forward in this bracket but robin williams brought such a unique combination of energy and also an ability to rein that energy in and bring some serious just pathos to a lot of his performances and that's what good morning vietnam calls for especially once you hit that third act and things take a turn i mean i you know up until that point even though it was set in the vietnam war i'm sitting here going i'm watching a comedy and it, it's it, it sweeps you off your feet in in a way or sweeps the rug out from underneath. It doesn't sweep you off. Yeah. Bad use of idioms. Uh, but the fact that you, the fact that you can see from his performance throughout that movie that that additional layer is is there strengthens that performance to me, and it makes it it makes it the better performance. What as compelling as his performance in One Hour Photo is, I think Good Good Morning Vietnam is the stronger performance. Good morning, Vietnam. Gets us kicked off with the first vote. Leah. Well, I hated one hour photo because he was super creepy. Um, And good morning, Vietnam was not my top choice last round. So I'm kind of torn. Um, But because I don't really care, um, I think I'm going to go with the one where he goes, good morning, Vietnam, because they show that clip a lot in different things that i've seen um and so yeah because of just that one clip of him saying good morning vietnam i'm going to go with uh good morning vietnam all right good morning vietnam picks up a second vote chris yeah is being creepy enough to justify like someone being a good actor because if that's the case i know some really creepy people that should just be in hollywood right now uh, no, Mike, not you. I was thinking more about Crispin Glover, who's actually already in Hollywood and would have been a phenomenal choice to play the lead in one hour photo. But no, they went with Robin Williams. I'm not trying to rip anything away from him. I just don't know that it's necessarily a precursor to being a, a solid performance. Uh, I will watch him in Insomnia again before I'll watch one hour photo. But there's not another actor that could have played the character in Good Morning Vietnam. There isn't. It's a layered, nuanced performance, but it's freaking funny. It is a freaking funny performance for the first three quarters of it. Then it gets real, it gets real, real quick. But it really is, uh, for me, the it, one of the seminal Robin Williams performances of my life. I love that movie so damn much. He's, he walks the balance of being this... He he knows why he's there, right? More so than anybody else. More so than the people that run the radio station in Vietnam. He knows why he's there. He understands, and he's doing what he's doing purposefully to raise morale. And then you see that, and as, as immature as his antics are, you see that get tested throughout the film until it comes to a head in the third act. 
and he handles it beautifully. It's a beautiful performance. You see every facet of Robin Williams minus the creepy side, which if you need that, yeah, go watch one hour photo for about 20 minutes and then you'll be done. Good morning, Vietnam, all day long. And good morning, Vietnam picks up another vote. Steven. I think this is actually an interesting matchup uh, because these are both cases where Robin Williams is playing this character that's acting out in this, uh, this above and beyond kind of way. And it all depends on the third act revelation to understand why the character is doing that. Uh, it's way more telegraphed in one hour photo that we're going to get kind of a twist with like an explanation towards the end. Uh, Good morning, Vietnam. Uh, Chris is right. He's there because he's trying to bring up the morale of everyone. But the trick to that movie is that it's not just for the people listening to his broadcast, that his humor, his antics, everything, uh, when we get that third act twist, that's all just been his coping mechanism too. It's not that he's not aware there's a war going on or he's not aware that there's tragedy going on is he's choosing as much as he can to not engage in that, to stay in this world of hijinks and antics and talking about how Colonel Sanders looks exactly like Ho Chi Minh, which is absolutely true. But eventually the war becomes so close and so terrible and so horrifying, not even he can hold it back. And that's a really, really powerful turn, way stronger than the one in One Hour Photo. So while I do like One Hour Photo, I actually think it's a film that deserves more praise than it's getting here. Absolutely. Good morning, Vietnam. Gets my vote. Good morning, Vietnam. will be sweeping its way to the Elite Eight. And just like that, we've determined what will be moving on. Join us next time as we actually decide a champion. And if you like what we're doing here and you want to help support what we're doing, please feel free to join us over at Patreon at patreon.com slash P-T-E-B-B. Uh, we've got a bunch of exclusive content over there, some additional brackets, as well as all sorts of uh, additional content from our sister show, The Pub Trivia Experience. Um, several different level of options, and uh, we'd love to chat with you over there. And as always, you can find us on social media everywhere at Boozy Bracketology, except on Twitter, where we are Boozy Brackets, due to their awful character limitations. Um, and if you also want to chat with us, we are always up on our Facebook group, The Lounge, Fans of Pub Trivia Experience and Boozy Bracketology. Uh, join us in there, where we've got all sorts of fun questions and polls and discussions and Tim Dipple rants and, uh, you know, all sorts of... Uh, <laughs> All sorts of things we'd love to interact with you on over there. Um, as I said, join us next time as we finally decide our champion for the best Robin Williams performance. But for now, I have been your host, Jeff. I was Leah. I'm Chris. I've been Steven. And I've been Mike. And we'll see you on the next show.